This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Kanyokahage Nation in Chachage, also known as Montreal, Quebec, the original lands of many First Nations, including the Kanyokahage of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, Huron-Wendat, Abenaki, and Anishinaabe. When we engage with and exist in digital spaces like this one right now, it's really important to think about the implications of the forces of colonialism that played such a huge part in shaping this kind of technology. The roots of so much of today's technology stem from colonial motives of surveillance and militarization and control. Understanding the ways in which technology isn't neutral and is in fact entrenched in systems of colonization is a really important process that we all should engage with in order to reflect on our own positionality in digital spaces. To learn what land you're on, go to native-land.ca. Welcome back to another episode. I am just me today. (laughs) There's no one joining me. And honestly, I think that's for the best. I think I may go off the rails a little bit in this episode, um, which is very on brand and also very fitting for this episode because we're going to be talking about unhinged female characters cinematic depictions of female rage, and why we love it so much. In this episode, I'm talking from a perspective of someone who adores unhinged female characters in movies and TV shows and books. It is essentially my favorite genre of anything because I experience a lot of satisfaction and a lot of catharsis when witnessing female characters, especially if they're queer, Um, when witnessing them going off the fucking rails a little bit. (laughs) And I'm gonna do a little deep dive into why that is. I'm gonna talk about some of the more popular depictions of female rage in movies and TV and the ones that have stuck out to me the most and the ones that I find are like the most easily analyzed in the context of understanding why it is we gravitate towards these tropes and why we love these characters, even though they're villainous. So I first want to talk about this feeling of catharsis that comes from watching a movie or a TV show or reading a book that is telling a story about a certain character that you might relate to in some kind of way, where you get to sort of live vicariously through this fictional character. Something we all do when we're watching a movie or reading a book is we relate to the subjects we see on screen or on the page. We immediately connect our own experiences or our own identities or ways of being in the world with whoever we're looking at or whoever we're imagining according to the information that the movie or the book is telling us. I think an interesting thing to think about maybe as you listen to this episode is to think about the characters that you've related to and the characters that you've maybe idolized or found solace in in the books that you've read, the movies you've watched, the TV shows you've binged. Think about how that has evolved over time. Think about the reasons why you connected with those characters and think about the feelings that came up for you when you witnessed the unfolding of that person's story. 
Did you feel a sense of catharsis because you related to them? Did you feel a sense of freedom, of liberation, of empowerment? For me, I've really always loved unhinged characters and the unreliable narrator is one of my favorite tropes that is used in movies and TV shows and even books. I feel like I remember reading books when I was a teenager where the narrator is completely unreliable um, and it sort of takes you on this topsy-turvy journey of not really knowing all the information and then there's usually a plot twist or some kind of revelation and I've always really loved those. I remember I really loved... Um, the anti-heroes of movies like Tyler Durden in Fight Club, Walter White in Breaking Bad, uh, Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, The Joker, but I haven't always been able to relate to them in the same way that I can relate to a female character or a queer character. And so when this sort of anti-hero, unreliable narrator trope started showing up in ways that weren't inherently masculine, like my two examples that I'm going to be talking about a lot in this episode, Amy Dunn in Gone Girl and Cassie in Promising Young Woman, I found myself being able to enjoy that experience of being taken on the journey of the anti-hero and the unreliable narrator, but on a completely different level because I could now relate to them on the shared basis of being socialized as women and therefore witness to all of these added emotions that come with being socialized as a woman in this world. When you make someone's villainy and anti-hero-ness about their societal position, whether it be gender, sexuality, age, class, it adds this other dimension of relatability for a particular group. So seeing a female or a queer anti-hero for me is cathartic for this very reason because of the way that they've been socialized in this world. And I know that we have the shared feelings that come from being socialized in this way. And this doesn't justify their often psychotic and evil actions, but it does provide a sense of catharsis for the viewer that's able to relate to this character because there's that shared understanding of what it means to exist as that type of person. And so, for example, with Gone Girl, the story centers around Amy Dunn's release of female rage in response to being shoved into the box of the cool girl, reflecting the emotions that are felt when you're forced into those roles in society, whether it's the cool girl or the Madonna or the whore or ones that are simultaneously sexually and racially charged with tropes like the Jezebel, the Mammy, the fetishized Asian woman. Amy Dunn is the character that unleashes these feelings of rage in response to these boxes she's been put into her entire life. In this sense, we may feel a connection to her. We may root for her because we too have felt all of these same feelings depending on our position in the world. We just haven't been able to express them because society expects us to repress them in order to reinforce our position in these roles. And so your perception of this character, your level of catharsis is going to depend on your own position in this world, how much you can relate to Amy Dunn's feelings that are expressed throughout the movie. One of the reasons why she is such a powerful character is that we as women are never allowed to be angry. We have to be feminine. We have to be likable. We have to be polite. We have to be the cool girl. If we were to show the anger we feel in our day-to-day -day lives, the world will look completely different and maybe a lot more like Gone Girl and Promising Young Woman. And this is why we root for characters like Amy Dunn, because they show us what it would be like if we actually let this rage loose. And okay, to an extent, because she is, I feel like, 
probably a psychopath. And so I'm not I'm not saying that that is the sort of gold standard. That's not what we should be striving for. That's not what we should find empowerment in. But I do think that there's something really healing about witnessing that kind of story unfold because it's so dramatized and it's so out of this world, unrealistic, never going to happen. But because it exists in this fictional universe, we can really indulge in it and we can really let ourselves completely get lost and feel a certain sense of empowerment by it. Even if it's completely insane and ridiculous, we can still indulge in it for that hour 45 minutes that we're sitting down and watching the movie. Watching those kind of stories unfold reflects so much of our inner feelings about who we are in the world, showing us our darkest fantasies of going completely off the fucking rails and basking in these fantasies because it's just a movie and we're not actually going to go out and conduct this insane plan of framing our husband for our murder like this isn't supposed to be realistic and that's part of the reason why these stories are so captivating because we can completely lose ourselves in them and simultaneously very interestingly stories like this are often seen as a man's ultimate worst nightmare which I think is really interesting when we think about the ways that Amy Dunn's character takes the power of being the type of woman men have molded her into and uses it to exact revenge and take that power back from the men who have robbed it from her. Her weaponization of her femininity is what makes this film so terrifying to so many men. The weaponization of femininity is terrifying to anyone who has ever used ideological femininity as a way of stifling a woman. At the same time, it terrifies anyone who benefits from the reinforcement of traditional gender ideology. We don't want women to use their femininity as a source of power to get back at men. We don't want people challenging gender ideologies. The only way for the world to go around is if we all stay in these boxes and they're not ever challenged, don't you know? The societal acceptance of repressed female rage is why we get uncomfortable watching stories where women are the villains, when women are using their femininity as a tool of villainy. And this reflects our societal values regarding women's freedom to show emotions, any kinds of emotions that don't align with that polite, nice, passive idea of what a woman needs to be. And additionally, the behavior of the men of Gone Girl and of Promising Young Woman, which I'm going to get into in a minute, That behavior is not only normalized in our society, but it's celebrated. So that's why we tend to feel bad for these male characters that are victim to this female rage that we never get to see because we're constantly repressing it. We feel bad for these men because their behavior is normalized and it's celebrated simply because they're men. We can see this really beautifully illustrated in Promising Young Woman through the examination of the nice guy trope and how dangerous he really is. We have all seen the male characters in this movie in our own real lives. I can name a man I've known for every single male character in this movie knowing that these portrayals are 100% accurate. And that's what's so brilliant about this movie is that we know these men 
And seeing this male characters be called out on their shit is satisfying to us because of all the times we haven't been able to do this in our own lives. It reminds us of all the repressed anger we carry for the times we've been taken advantage of by these men. It strikes this chord really deep within us that causes our rage, our fury, our grief to resurface, making the viewing experience deeply personal for every woman watching. There's this scene in Promising Young Woman that I remember watching for the first time and I probably looked insane because I had this like massive smile on my face with tears streaming down my cheeks just like in complete awe of the beauty of this scene. Basically, to give you a little rundown of the scene, Cassie, the main character, is sitting in the middle of the road in her car, and this man driving a truck drives up to her and starts yelling at her for not moving and insulting her, calling her horrible names, and just continuously yelling at her. And then she calmly gets out of her car, walks over to his truck and starts smashing his tail lights and then goes around to the front, starts smashing the front windshield with this amazing classical music just like gradually getting louder and louder and soaring as she just fucking destroys this man's car. She doesn't touch him, she just touches the car. And then eventually he drives away, you know, after calling her a crazy bitch. And she's just left standing in the road with this crowbar, with this amazing classical music soaring around her. And I just, I just so distinctly remember getting tingles all over my body, crying, smiling, just feeling so intensely as I watched this scene unfold and feeling an immense amount of catharsis. For me, this scene really symbolized what the world would be like if we all responded to that male rage the way that we really wanted to. If we fully let our inner unhinged female character come out and express herself, that is more so what the world might look like. Once again, demonstrating the reason why we tend to root for these characters, because we see bits of ourselves in them. The author of Gone Girl, Gillian Flynn, pointed out in an article to the importance of honoring our dark sides, saying that they're just as important as our girl power sides, if not more so, because they allow us to explore our deepest feelings of rage and discomfort and raw anger in response to society's treatment of us. The same can go for literally any positionality that one occupies in society. Connecting to your shadow side, your dark side, whatever you want to call it, in order to connect to that part of yourself that's been marginalized and repressed by society can be an incredibly liberatory, incredibly empowering act. And one of the ways we can most easily connect to this side of ourselves is by consuming literature and TV and movies that allow us to explore that side of ourselves within the safe realm of fantasy and of fiction. There's something so magical about being taken into a world of fantasy and being left with the feelings that it gave us after we finish our viewing or after we close that last page of the novel. Because even though it may have only taken us a couple days to read the book, or a few weeks to finish the TV show or two hours to finish the movie, we're left with those feelings for the rest of our lives and we can carry those with us and allow them to manifest in healthy, productive ways that will help us access 
that feeling of liberation and of empowerment. This is not me giving you the go ahead to go exact revenge on everyone who's ever wronged you, but what I'm saying is that we can tap into those feelings that these movies, that these characters give us in order to feel more connected to that darker part of ourselves. I also don't want to finish the episode without mentioning the critiques of characters like Amy Dunn and Cassie, because I do think there's a lot of nuance with those conversations. But my thing is that I've noticed that these critiques often focus on the use of femininity as a weapon and how that's inherently a bad thing. But as I mentioned before, Gillian Flynn, the writer of Gone Girl, has mentioned that to think that a woman can't be a villain is an inherently sexist idea. That idea that all female characters have to be good and likable is adhering to those typical ideas that women have to always be palatable and good and pretty. And in a way, making women into villains through storytelling is kind of feminist because it's allowing women to escape that box of palatability and prettiness and politeness. I think there's a lot more to be said also about the use of revenge in these movies um, and often how these unhinged female rage characters use sexuality as a weapon. And I think this is probably a conversation I want to have in a bigger space with maybe another person because there's so much to take into account. But again, I'm going to bring it back to the power of using femininity as a weapon and how you can kind of examine that any which way. You can look at it as a bad thing. You can look at it as an empowering thing. I flip-flop between the two. I find when I'm actually like reading the book or watching the movie or watching the TV show, I feel an incredibly strong sense of catharsis and of satisfaction almost depending on the situation. Like in Promising Young Woman, I there were a couple scenes where I was kind of like, mm, don't know how I feel about that. And if you've seen the movie, you probably know which ones I'm talking about. But then there's other scenes where I'm like, yes, the use of sexuality in that scene was incredibly moving and incredibly relevant to the use of femininity as a sort of weapon to exact revenge, which I also have feelings about. I don't love this idea of revenge. And I think that it can be quite overused in, especially in stories of women sort of getting back at men for sexually assaulting them. And there's a lot there to be said, and I don't think I want to dive into that today, but I guess I'll just leave you with these thoughts. I would love to hear from you if you have any initial reactions to what I'm saying, or if you've seen both of these movies and you have a really strong stance, I would love to hear it. I think the general vibe I wanted to give for this episode was just like explaining why we love and why we root for unhinged female characters, no matter how questionable they might be and how their tactics might not always be super ethical. I just, I love a good unhinged female villain. I guess my final thought that I want to leave you with is this idea that we expect women to be victims and not villains. And I think that's why we put these characters under such immense critique. Obviously, there's more sides to it than that, but I do think that there's a double standard because of how many representations there are of women being victims in stories and how little there are of them being the villains. How we are socialized to critique women is entirely shaped by patriarchal standards. And I think that's the key thing to remember when we're critiquing characters like Amy 
Dunn and Cassie, we have a lot of entrenched biases about how we think female characters need to be portrayed. And so I think we just need to sit with that and think about how that affects our relationship to these stories. Along with all our other personal baggage that we drag into movie viewings. Takeaway this week, I mean, obviously listen to the cool girl monologue and obviously watch Promising Young Woman. Those are just, you know, weekly activities that we should all be doing. But also find a way to connect to that shadow side of yourself Find a way to channel that inner rage and express it in a healthy way, whether it's making a huge finger painting or dancing really, really furiously and hard or going for a run. Whatever position you're coming from, find a way to tap into those feelings and find a way to channel them into something creative. I'd love to hear what you come up with if you decide to do any of this and I'd also love to hear any of your takes on the movies that I talked about. There are also so many book recommendations that I want to make if you're into the whole unhinged female main character. So many good recommendations. So maybe that's something I'll do on the Instagram. If you're not already connected there, you can follow at the lily.pod. Thank you so much for listening. This was a fun one and I hope that you had a good time. I will see you the week after next and have an epic unhinged week in the meantime.